Hi, this is Pastor Frank at First Discipleship. I just want to welcome you to this podcast. This podcast, I'm going to be doing a series of different types of um, subjects, but specifically connecting to First Discipleship and the ministry, because I think this is where we are called to the Great Commission. Now, I like the way the Lord has have the Bible, the New Testament, specifically the Gospels are written because it, it doesn't really give um, a specific time when to start, when to stop. It, um, it gives you the subjects, which are very um, foundational uh, and, and not get caught up in the intricacies of, of small things, but the larger things and then the, the, the creativity and the creativeness of evangelizing the gospel uh, is there. Now, I don't have a problem with people evangelizing the gospel as long as it's like within Christian um, genre because it goes in all different directions and it's it makes the gospel watered down. It makes it laughable. It just, people sometimes take you know it to levels that it shouldn't go and and that's the reason why I say keeping it biblical keeping it Christian because a lot of people will bring in their culture and and make it less than what it's supposed to be so I don't have a problem with evangelism as long as you do it from the Bible and that's why I make these podcasts so that we can kind of get an idea of what exactly what we're doing here because it is important because that's what we're told to do and commanded to do by God himself, by Jesus Christ himself. So what I want to also do is because of who I am, and this is why I bring up culture. Now I happen to be uh, Native American and indigenous to California, but I'm also Mexican. Now, just in that alone, there's a lot of history with me and my family and who I am, what I do, and the things that I've been raised to, things that I've heard, family stories and such, and it is amazing to hear what people have to say. It's amazing to hear what my family has to say, because that's where things are unwritten. They're not in history books, they're within our family, oral history. And there are a lot of Native American people that I know that have their own stories that have been passed down orally. So then there's things like that that cause me to uh, really think more panoramic instead of uh, trying to, you know, I guess be selfish and only try to do what I want to do. And which is that shouldn't be on a pastor's heart anyway. It should be the heart of God and what God wants to do. And so after some soul searching and reading the word, looking at my um, resources that God has given me. And I think no matter how, you don't have to look far to be able to see where people need help. And that's what I did. So I started to look around. And so this is a more, more of a panoramic instead of a microscopic view at 
things is what this podcast will be about. Now, it's going to be, uh, I, well, I, what I'm titling this is as a Christian Native American. Now, since I'm from California, the first place I started in the panoramic view is the history of California. Now, the history of California is unique, uh, not to other natives that are in different states in the United States, but California was one of the, I guess, last uh, developed uh, and Native American issue, would be nice and call it that, to be dealt with in the mid-1800s. Now, there's always been an issue with Native Americans prior to that in, in its history in the East Coast and such, which I don't have a lot of knowledge on that, but I definitely have been studying about you know, stuff in my own backyard, which is California, Northern California to be specific. So I don't know a lot, uh, but I'm still, st- I'm getting there. And and the reason why I'm bringing all this up and how, what does it have to do with Christianity? Not, when we get into this, you're going to see how it does strongly. So my experience as a Native American, I really didn't realize I was Native American until my parents had told me that we were. And so to be able to foster our mind and, and, and our ability to think and, and, and to become individuals, my parents bought us, because we didn't have the internet, of course, they bought us uh, encyclopedia, encyclopedias, a whole set, very expensive, but my parents obviously cared about our knowledge and cared about what we did and, 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 and our education and such. And so when we first got them, we poured over those things. A lot of pictures. There was a special set of other activities. And, and then there was this set of, uh, of, uh, of these time life um, ones. They look like leather, but they're not leather. They're bound bindings in the, in the cover. And on the circle in the front, like an oval, it had pictures of what that particular book was about and one of them was Native Americans or Indians so we poured through that one and read all the things and and so they started buying us more books and so I remember my mother uh, bringing the book Ishi last of his tribe or last of the Yahi and I I remember we first saw his face it almost was like for me, anyway, I can't speak for my two older brothers, but for me, it was like um, there was a familiar, familiar, familiarity about it. It's hard to 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 kind of put it into words. Uh, it's like you know, you see everybody around you, and it's normal that you're not the same color. You know, your hair black and uh, there's not a lot of people I went to school in the uh, in the 70s so my father made good money my mother made good money so we were able to live in places where there was a you know a lot of European descent people and so we we kind of had it hard and I'm not even going to go into that but what I want to say is and the reason why I'm saying this is because this is where I started to awaken and in the process of awakening this, then I started hearing more stories and hearing when my relatives would come over and start talking about different things. And then both sides of my family have native 
American uh, my mother and father's side have very strong I didn't know at the time of course how how much but I started to realize that there's I'm different in the sense that I have a history that I'm not aware of and then moving forward I trying I'm really trying to wrap my head around this and so you know um, the more we talk about it we ask of course asking questions to our parents um, he's Indian, Ishi, and they're like, yes, okay, and so he, this shows everything, and said that he knew how to do this and that, he had a bow and arrow, and all these things, the classical things that, you know, of course, the pictures they wanted to take, and, you know, and God bless the heart of the, the man that took care of him, and basically, he was a specimen, and it's just kind of how, I'm not trying to be mean, I'm sure there was some feelings there for him. But basically, he was one of the last, you know, wild natives, and he was basically found starving, emaciated, dehydrated, and hungry. And they took him in and, you know, of course, brought him back to health, but he eventually caught some kind of disease. I don't know if it was tuberculosis or whatever it was, but he ended up he ended up dying not too long after they, you know, got him back to health, which was kind of sad because it wasn't the world he was used to, but he was kind of like Americanized. Um, you know, that aside, but watching that was something big for us because we're seeing ourselves, but we're not seeing ourselves anymore. And so to some degree, I kind of felt like not lied to, but just kind of deceived because there's, there's more to me than I was told. So thank God my parents thought of that. And then of course, you know, as I got older, I started to realize that that people were making fun of me and making fun of things I hear, you know, in sports. You know, the the names of uh, football teams and baseball teams. It doesn't bother me now, but it did bother me then. And then I started to actually see the way things were being portrayed you know, like, um, you know, for those who even know what this is, and I'm not expecting everybody knows, but you could Google this. There was a TV show, a comedy, and it came on every weekend. It was, called, it was a black and white show. It was called F Troop. Now, in F Troop, there were like these depictions of uh, Native Americans that were completely, completely way, way, way off the mark. And there's no way you could sit there and say that this is what Native Americans actually looked like or talked like. And it, they weren't taken serious. And when they were taken serious, they were bloodthirsty savages. And, and I watched, you know, these uh, country western uh, shows uh, that dealt with uh, Native Americans. And you really see them portrayed as evil. And and I really didn't get it until I think I got until my, maybe like my teens and because of the culture that we're we're in, not many people fostered native traditionalism. Okay, even in my own family, native traditionalism was seen as evil. Uh, but there were traditionalists that said that no, this is who we are. So that I had like both and I had ones who were supportive of it, and because I was raised, my mother raised us in Christianity it created some kind of a paradox almost. It's like, 
you're native and be proud, but don't be too proud because you're Christian. And so I go, I was conflicted for many years. And I think that some Native Americans that are, who will listen to this and hopefully they do, will feel this, have felt the same conflicting ideas and emotions about that. Because it's like, if you're, if you're too in too much into the Native traditional, uh, ways, then you're not seen as a Christian. You're deviating from Christianity. But if you're completely resist traditionalism, then you're seen as uh, somebody who's trying to be uh, European or someone who's trying to be white. So this is this is something that maybe not in just a Native American culture, but also it could be, you know, in Africa, it could be in other countries as well. But this is what, you know, I felt, I felt the pressure. And then I think there's another issue that I dealt with too, is that because um, I have relatives that live on the reservation. Now, I'm, my mother and father are from two different reservations. So I have family members on one reservation and, and family members on another. And in both reservations, if you do not, because I've never lived there, both my parents have lived on their res. I have never lived. I've always lived in uh, Sonoma County, but because I've lived in Sonoma County, I'm an off-res Native American, which kind of makes me an outsider and almost un- not completely genuine because I've never lived on the res or I've, I've never been, like my father was born there and I wasn't born there. I was born in a hospital. He was born at home, okay? So there, there's, you know, a lot going on there. And, and I... I remember having these feelings earlier and then when I would get around my res cousins uh, and I would get around you know res relatives um, definitely native there's no doubt about it not never been ashamed of them embrace them almost felt a, some kind of a, a light jealousy but regardless of that um, I always knew who I was by the time I hit my my late eight, my late teens, early twenties, and even though I never danced or I never been to the roundhouse, never been to things like that, I, I've never really embraced the culture in that sense. And that is where I think where I am trying to be able to understand uh, my journey, and then I hear other people's stories, people that are you know, of course, related to me, people who are not related to me, but also are native um, California natives. And then here, other people, you know, stuff on the internet, you know, stuff on YouTube, all the stories, horrifying stories of the, you know, the the Trail of Tears, uh, relatives, um, there's a lot of questions that are raised. And it's none, I would say very, very little of it is happy. Most of it is tragedy. Most of it is sadness. A lot of death. And so, as a native, I you know you you cling on to who you are and what you are by that memory. And you can only think of a time like my time. I can only think of a time when I was made fun of because I was different. Now I had friends that that did not treat me that way, but they had. There are some kids that were that were mean, and this is it had a a impact on me. Uh, not because my parents told me anything, 
It's just that I was treated differently and I never understood why because I was just as good at sports as they were. My grades probably suffered a little more than theirs, but, you know, I, I, I for whatever reason. Uh, but I was still able to make uh, teams because of my grades, you know, or, or sports. And, but it was a struggle for me. But regardless of that, um, I still was able to do what everyone else did. I, I, st- I had friends that were, because it was very, there was like maybe like, I could count maybe like maybe one or two, maybe three uh, African-American people in my school growing up and then maybe a couple of like Mexican-Mexican and then uh, the rest were white. And so I befriended a lot of them, but then there was that group that just did not and just would not and were cruel, would say things. But since my father taught me how to box, <laughs> that kind of like balanced it because it was either, you know, if they want to go too far, I was ready. And that kind of like made it a little easier. And then my older brother, of course, was a better boxer than I was. And that even made it easier because I had my older brother to protect me when I needed it. But I never made trouble to be able to have to do that. So I think growing up, and my journey towards, you know, this, and then being raised in a Christian home, it conflicted me until I got into my late 20s. And I started to realize that I, when I got married, my wife um, was, uh, she had a very strong religious background herself. And in that, I... What I wanted to do is to be able to have a family uh, uh, in Christianity, and but at the same time, I wanted to basically raise my kids the same way I was raised. They're Christian, but let them know that they're native. Now, doing that is going to create a lot of questions, so I basically have to give them my reasons, and then those reasons, either they'll be their reasons or they're going to be, they'll choose their own reasons. But doing more research has caused me to be able to take a look. And, and, and like I said, this is my journey. I'm not speaking for natives in general. I'm not speaking for every single tribe. I'm speaking for me and in the tribe that I belong to and what I'm doing. And this is my journey. So being a Christian Native American it almost is sounds contradictory, like you have two arrows pointing at each other, you know, and, and it's just a contradiction in itself, but it's not, and I could explain very easily. Now, um, I do have a, a very brief outline, and, and I'm going to try to go through this, and I just had to do this this first podcast on this particular one as a uh, as an intro to some degree, but I want to bring these up and I'll go into more detail in, as this series goes on. So the first thing I have is most Californians are unaware and ignorant of California Native American history, and which is true. It is only up until uh, Gavin Newsom actually apologized and actually the one of the um, representatives of the 
the uh, the reservation that my mother is from. And he apologized for what happened in in the 1850s, which is called the Bloody 50s. Uh, you could look it up. It's there. Gavinism did this, and it wasn't a big, gigantic thing. There wasn't a lot of press there. It was just... That doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, but you could look it up, and you could find it, that Gavinism actually did this. He apologized. And I'll let you hear it. You look, just look it up, and you'll see it's not very long, but it's very, very interesting to see that, that that's what happened. Uh a lot of people don't understand. And, you know, and, and like I said, there are things now. There's the uh, baseball teams, you know, uh, the, the, the Padres. Okay. There's the, uh, the San Francisco 49ers. A lot of people don't know. A lot of the names that you hear, for, your, for people who are from California, people who have come to California, been here a while, and you hear all these names, they're Spanish, San Francisco, San Diego, Los Angeles, even, um, you know, the, the, uh, the main cities, the towns, the, you know, the counties, um, even the names of certain places like, uh, um, uh, Chula Vista there, there's, uh, there's so many, so much history in our faces, but we just never asked the question and we can only guess what we've heard. And so I would, and I want to go into this into to the next podcast, but I would say since most Californians are unaware and ignorant of California Native American history, you have to know and, and, and just know that where you've been living, no matter how old you are and you're in California, this used to be somebody else's land. And if you even want to dig deeper and to see how it was acquired will make you start to think about more things. Okay, I want to leave that there. The next one is Spain, Portugal, and France wanted a piece of the pie. So you have Spain, okay, basically uh, what founded in Mexico, and Mexico... Uh, and so on and so forth. And then you have all these like aristocratic people from Spain and Portugal because they're the ones who are able to afford the ships to sail over here and to be able to do the things that they did. France also, okay, these are all expansion countries that are at the time European powers. They wanted a piece of the new world, the new land, and then anything that's there you know, to claim because really, it's really up for grabs. But, you know, if you think about that, who said it was up for grabs? Who said it was available to take? Who said it was available for whatever you find on there is yours? It belongs to your country, to your to the crown of that country. Okay, that's something that uh, we'll try to go into. And then uh, I only want to just briefly touch on this. The Catholic Church, Spanish missionaries, the Padres, and... Spanish land territories, expansionists, and the uh, explorers, and and all the things that go along with that, you know, with the the the, the Franciscan monks, and all. There's there's so much to talk about, but I only want to touch on this because this is where 
And then I'll sum it up with this. I'll sum it up with the fact that if you were to talk to a Native American, specifically in California, and they're a traditionalist, and you talk to them about Christianity, you are going to um, receive a lot of pushback. And for the ones who are studied and read, they will... They, you better be ready because there's there's not a lot their their arms are not open and welcome to to Christianity given the history now if you if you have for the for pastors that are out there for churches that are out there specifically in in Southern California if you have Native Americans in your church feel blessed okay if you have Anybody who is of Native American descent, specifically from California, they either don't know their history or they do and, and, and have still managed to accept Christ in their life. That's a miracle. Okay? Not because, you know, when a soul comes to Jesus, that's a miracle. No, I'm saying because of the history of California, it is a miracle. And how somebody would have to literally think through their opposition to anybody else outside of who they are coming there and literally with trickery, with sleight of word, with a a gun, with a sword and separating them from who they are completely and then the suffering of their families that survived and if they know that Okay, and they're in a a Christian church. That's a miracle. Because most people, most natives that I know are either already Christian or they're traditionalists. And then if they're traditionalists, they have, they don't hate natives that are Christians. They just don't want to hear it. And I'm going to go into that. So this is an introduction to this uh, as a Christian Native American. Uh, I'm a pastor, uh, and it's something that if you uh, were to investigate this, how many churches did you know who are evangelizing Native American people? Most people give up on them because of the, the pushback. Now, since I'm Native, I am really counting on God to give me the tools to build this bridge because I truly believe that uh, it's it's just Native Americans have are, are treated as ghosts as if they don't exist anymore just kind of like you know been blended into culture and they don't exist it was the past you know let's move on um, not me I'm going to evangelize I'm going to you know reach out and evangelize to my own people there's a lot to go, a lot, lot to do, but because my love for God and my love for my people, uh, I'm not just, you know, oh, I'm only going to be, you know, evangelizing to, you know, Native people. No, my heart and my calling is to them. Anybody is welcome. Any, I'll help anybody. It doesn't matter who they are, what they are. I'll help them as best as I possibly can. And what I can't do, I leave to God. This is Pastor Frank.
at First Discipleship. God bless.